Hey everyone, David Bowden here. Before we start the show, we have a special announcement from the team here at Spoken Gospel. As we approach our summer film block, we're filming our final introductions for our whole project on the Bible, including books of the Bible like the book of Revelation and Chronicles, and it's going to be an amazing time. And we are almost finished funding our need for this film block, and we have about $30,000 left to cross the finish line. And we are asking you, our podcast listeners, to help make this possible. So please consider supporting our mission by visiting the Spoken Gospel website, clicking on donate and contributing what you can. Whether you choose to donate once or monthly, we're so grateful for your support. Okay, now on with the show. The way that you trust that this kingdom is the best kingdom, the way that you trust and have faith in King Jesus is acting as if those things are true and lovely and beautiful. Love your neighbor provide for their needs, have faith that God is one, that he is the smartest one in the universe and love him for it. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are continuing in the book of Jacob in the New Testament. In the book of Jacob. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I mean, it's the book of James. It's the book of James. If you if you don't get the joke, if it was you awesome missed book. our first episode, we <laughs> talked at length about the oh, David. I'll I'll rephrase. That was kind of me. David <laughs> talked at length about the etymology of the word James. I'm a, I'm still a little like butthurt about it. In your in your Greek, it is the book of Jacob. It's Jacob. His name was Jacob. His, his name was Jacob. Guys, don't, let's not put me back on the soapbox. <laughs> but for clarity's sake. Out of a grand concession on my part, we're going to call him James. Out of the kindness and <laughs> graciousness that has appeared in David Bowden, he has decided to call him what people have called him since the creation of the English Bible. Fine. James. Did you just quote Titus at me, too? I did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But today, we have a special kind of episode in that when we do an overview of a book, we typically only have one episode. We try to cap it at one. Yeah. But here, we wanted to take some time to look at kind of this very unique contribution James makes to the New Testament canon where he talks about the correlation between faith and works. And yeah. it's this moment in James that have ruffled a lot of feathers, mm -hmm. made people want to decanonize, yank James out of the Bible. Yep. <laughs> but we're going to look at it and we're going to understand what James is after and why it's good news. Yeah. At least I'm hoping Seth has that for us today. I'm hoping so too. <laughs> I mean, the, the positive way I think everybody like appreciates is faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. Like we get that. Okay. Yeah. We want a faith that works and does stuff. We don't want to just a right. sterile, arid faith that brains on sticks. We don't want to be that. Yeah. We fit, awesome. But what's caused theologians mm. and people who are reading their Bible carefully so much problems. It's what James says in chapter two, verse 24 you see that a person is justified or made right with God by works and not by faith alone. Isn't that contrary to what Paul says, that we are saved by grace and faith alone in Christ alone? That right. 
apart from our righteousness, apart from the works that we do, apart from the moral effort that we bring, the moral that yeah. we, to our salvation. So it's like a lot of people just think James and Paul are talking past each other or, or actually arguing, arguing and disagreeing with each other. Yeah. And that's yeah. what we're going to wade into today. And my goal it, yeah. is to get David to say at the end of the podcast <laughs> that it is good news we are saved by works and not by faith alone. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I think your, I did it once before. You've got your work cut out for you and James, though. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited, though. I want to get there. I want, I want to get there. I'm ready to go on that journey. Okay. So what did we talk about last week that would be helpful for us as we step into We this talked topic? about three different ways to frame, like three assumptions that are behind the scenes in the book of James. Mm. One, that Jesus is the smartest king that has ever lived. Right, like wisdom literature. He has given us wisdom that we need to accept and laws that we need to obey. Mm-hmm. And another way to think about it is like, okay, James has an understanding of what the wisdom of Jesus is. And we talked about that as the death and resurrection of Jesus. We have an understanding of what the law of Jesus is. It's a law of freedom designed to preserve our freedom and to commemorate our freedom. Mm-hmm. And then this final piece that James wants to impress on us, like, so what does it mean to have true citizenship in his kingdom, mm-hmm. true trust in Jesus's kingdom, true faith in Jesus? Mm-hmm. If Jesus is the wisest king in the entire world, what does it mean to trust him? Right. What does it mean to have faith in him? What does it mean to actually believe him when he says he's those things? Mm. And I think that kind of rounds out kind of the whole teaching of the book of James too. Okay. It's like the laws and the wisdom of Jesus demand that we be consistent right. with the laws and wisdom of Jesus. Yeah. What does that mean? It means we we don't walk away from a mirror after looking ourselves in the face and forget what we look like. That right. was the metaphor, right? That's right. Yeah. We're, uh, we're talking faith without works is dead, but this is like the fourth time that James has already told us that our actions must line up with our beliefs. Like double-minded people receive nothing from God in the opening chapter, yeah. uh, verses six and seven. Christians can't just listen to God's word. They must do them. That's the mirror, the mirror yes. stuff. And then then the passage about partiality, those who follow the God who became poor, but play favorites with the rich are inconsistent with the message of Jesus. Right. People are failing to live out their convictions failing to live out the wisdom of the Messiah. In other words, they're failing to have true faith. Okay, I think I, okay, I yeah. follow that. All right, so true faith. Is that what's on the line here? Is is what's true faith? Yes. Okay. I don't think, I think, what, he does, does he use that term? He doesn't, but okay. what I think is happening here is, I think people assume James is discounting the importance of faith. Mm. He's like, faith isn't what matters, works is what matters. Uh, but that's not true. Right. Because James multiple times assumes a vibrant faith of his audience. He mm. says it in James 1, 3, James 2, 1, 2, 5. He knows his people have faith, mm. but he wants them to have true, vibrant faith. Mm. And he's like asking them a series of rhetorical questions. And he also gives them four illustrations to demonstrate what true faith looks like to the wisdom and laws of King Jesus. Okay. Before we get into those, yeah. can I ask a question? Yes. What is like a good working definition of faith can we define faith without these examples or is, well, is that I think what he's trying to do here if we were to embody james's audience yeah they have a confusion about what real faith is mm. they say they have faith in jesus but they don't really know what they're saying when they say i believe in jesus is it because be- they don't know who jesus is or no. Okay, so it doesn't have to, anything to do with the content of what they believe. Yep. It's, 
and I can't tell if the better. Let's just go with James. Okay. Because I, I think all I'm trying to do here is is make sure I enter into it the right way, because when we say yeah. faith, right. People all over the world are listening to this, and they're going to be like, mm -hmm. they're going to have something in their That's brains exactly right. of what they think faith means. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure we're going to get to some kind of uniform yes. understanding. So I think that's what James assumes, too. He knows that people reading this book uh -huh. have a whole bunch of different definitions of faith. He's I like, see. guys, you're misunderstanding it. Mm -hmm. Let me take you through four illustrations that demonstrate what real faith is, not what you assume faith is, but okay. what real faith actually is. Okay. So I could give you my definition right. up front if yeah. you want. No, it's okay. What you're asking us to do is to put down our assumptions about what faith is, our definitions of faith, mm -hmm. everything we think is even on the line in what James is about to do. Mm -hmm. Just put that down for a second and yep. go with James on a journey yes. through what his definition of faith is and let's see where we get. Yes. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. All right, everyone, come with me. We're putting <laughs> we're putting our presuppositions of what faith is down, and we're gonna let James hold our hand through this. Okay. Okay. So James starts off giving us definition of real faith with a hypothetical. Verse okay. 14. The definition of real faith through a hypothetical question. Yeah. Question or situation. Situation. Okay. <laughs> so verse fourteen. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Suppose if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacks daily food, and then somebody goes and says to him, go in peace, be warm, be filled, without giving them the things they need for the body. What good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So what he's saying here is that a lot of people have the assumption that faith is just believing something mm. or wishing people well thoughts and prayers mm. like thoughts right and prayers. right you know like faith is like yeah. something believed something hoped for something wished on okay so what you're saying is the first thing james goes after here is any kind of reductionistic definition of faith as some kind of mental assent or warm wishes yeah or like I'm on right. team Jesus. Right. Because everybody knows that on the face of it is just blatant hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. You can't say my prayers are with you when really what they need is some food on their table. Right. You can't see somebody shivering in the cold and say, be warm, be blessed by Jesus and not give them your coat. Uh -huh. That's not actually believing the things that you're saying. Mm. That's looking in the mirror okay. of the sacrifice of Jesus. Yep. And then looking at your neighbor and saying, they don't deserve the grace of Jesus. Like I do. Mm -hmm. That's forgetting who you're supposed to be. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. All right, so there's like an inconsistency there. There's an inconsistency. Yeah, faith is not something that you would just... Yeah, th that illustration is so helpful. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's... You see a poor person and you're like, oh man, I so want them to not be in that situation. And I have this food that I could give them. But instead I'm just going to say, best wishes, warm regards, and keep driving. Yeah. Is my heart actually lined up with mm -hmm. the, what I think it is, which is yeah. I, my belief is I want them to not be hungry. Mm -hmm. I have the food to give them. My belief is that I have a savior who became poor mm. so that somebody else could become rich. Mm. But when I see a poor person, I'm not willing to become poor. So they might have a little bit more wealth today. Mm. Is my faith in that type of Messiah real? Right. If I'm doing that. And I think most people say, no, of course not. That's not real faith. That's not real belief. Right. That's a platitude if you say that. 
Okay. Right? When do you want me to start poking holes in this? Uh, now. <laughs> okay. Sure. So my question then becomes, okay, so are you saying that if I drive past a homeless person, I'm, I don't have true saving faith? I don't think that's what he's saying. Okay. He's not getting into the weeds of like the practicalities of like, we see hundreds of poor people every day. Right. And I'm sure in an ancient city where you're not as technologically advanced where the divide between rich and poor is greater. Like there's going to be a sense in which that you have to walk past a poor person just to survive your day. I don't think, mm -hmm. but regardless of all that, I don't think he's really talking about that reality and what you should do when you walk past a poor person. He's saying like, what is the nature of true faith? Mm. The nature of true faith is that it responds to the needs of others and doesn't just say you want to respond to the needs of others. Right. You could, in good faith, walk past one poor person because you're giving 10% of your income to a, a local charity. Like, sure. The, the or, economies uh, I'm not I'm interested in. Yeah, I'm wondering, too, like, it's not so much that his hypothetical situation with the poor person mm -hmm. is, let me tell you an example of a Christian who doesn't have true faith. Yeah. It's not really what he's doing here, it seems like. It seems like he's like, it's a metaphor mm -hmm. that, because his, his question is, what good is it at the end of the story? So he says, you have this poor person, and this guy walks up. He says, be warm and well-fed, mm -hmm. but doesn't give anything. That does that sentiment no do any good? Does that faith do any good? No, no, it doesn't. Even does that thing do any good? Does that, you know, like, does him saying... Does the action do any good? Does, does him saying, be warm and well-fed, actually mm -hmm. do anything? Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. It's hollow and empty. Mm -hmm. He's saying, in the same way, that's a metaphor, mm -hmm. in the same way, if you just say, I believe in Jesus... Mm-hmm. That could be an, just as empty as saying be warm and well-fed mm -hmm. if there's nothing behind it. That's exactly right. He's not necessarily saying, like, if you ever have walked past a poor no. person. That's not what he's saying. No, he's not saying okay. that. That's helpful. Understanding that hypothetical situation as a metaphor. Right. For he's just trying to get you to understand the correlation between empty words with empty actions. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have this idea that faith is just empty words devoid of mm -hmm. action. Right. It's things nice people say to make themselves feel better when they pass a poor person on the street. Yep. Like, right? That's one way to think about faith. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be beneath what James desires of us to not consider what happens when we pass a poor person. Right. Absolutely. Because this is the second, this this third time, I think, poor, the people <laughs> yes. who are impoverished have been brought up in James. Like, he's inviting us. Apparently, his audience had a problem with their relationship with the poor, and he's poking mm -hmm. on it as often as he can. And right. even in his sermon about the nature of true faith, which can sound fairly philosophical, he's using the examples of poor people to prove his point. Mm -hmm. So I think what we need to take away from this, just mm -hmm. bottom line, is that faith isn't just well-wishing. It's mm -hmm. not just hoping something to be true. It's believing something to be true and then acting like as if it's true. And the fact that Jesus became poor for us should change the way we treat poor people. Right. On one, and like, does that mean we meet the needs of every single poor person we come across? I don't think that's humanly possible. Right. But we are transformed. Our actions are transformed if we truly believe that. If our faith is real, it won't right. be dead mm -hmm. to the impoverishment of other people. Right. It's because we've seen now, to go back to last week's episode, we've seen how the grain of the universe runs. And that when we go to the low, when we go mm -hmm. to the poor, when we go to the socially, economically, culturally dead, and we persevere in that, we get life. Mm -hmm. So 
we are showing that we don't believe that cultural narrative mm-hmm. that King Jesus is telling us functions mm-hmm. in the kingdom when we don't run to the poor, when we don't yeah, run to the dead, right. when we don't run to the least. That's right. We're saying like, no, I actually believe that life comes it, uh, inside of the fanciest store in the mall, not on the roadside. Yeah. Not because I'm trying to earn my salvation, mm-hmm. but because there's a, a grain to the universe. King Jesus said life is on the other side of the dead places on the earth. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to run there mm-hmm. because I now believe something about the yeah. world that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's like a chair, like right? you believe mm-hmm. that a chair will hold you. So you sit in it. Yep. If you believe that there's life on the other side of the dead places in the world, you run to them. That's right. And so that's really helpful for me. Yeah. It just changes your worldview. Right. And you're not living consistently with the worldview you're claiming. The value of the kingdom of King Jesus is that we run towards death mm-hmm. because we know there's life on the other side. Right. We run towards poverty because we know there's riches on the other side. Right. Of it. We run towards those things in the kingdom of Jesus. Yep. And true faith, true faith in the kingdom of Jesus, acting like a true citizen means that you won't just say that you believe death mm-hmm. leads to resurrection. Right. That Jesus became poor so that we might become rich. You actually act as if those things are true. That's right. Yeah. You and mirror and, them in your own yeah, life. Yeah. And there's nothing on the line there about our work saving you. No. All that that's doing is saying like, is your faith real? Right. It, I think it, people who want to like import like, so does he saying like right. your work save you? Like, I think you're just misreading James. Yeah. He's just making a totally different point. Well, it's like, think about like somebody who believes the earth is flat. Yep. Isn't going to sail across the ocean. Right. Okay. Sure. Right. But yeah. as soon as that person was like, the earth is round and I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to sail off the edge. I'm going to sail off the edge. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like if they're like, no, the earth's round. And it's like, they're going to call you a wackadoodle until you actually get in the boat. Right. And sail across the horizon. Yeah. Then they're like, oh, he actually believes this stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. So, okay, that's really helpful for me. Thank you for persevering. With, You're, you persevered through my death uh, <laughs> to get life on the other side. <laughs> Your faith is real. So <laughs> what is true faith? Faith that action isn't faith, it's mm-hmm. death. Okay. That's the first, like, rock oh, illustration. Oh, the first one. Okay. Uh, second illustration. <laughs> Here we go. He imagines some imaginary person in dialoguing with him about okay. the nature of faith. He's like, Wait, well, are you saying that James had an imaginary friend? He had an imaginary friend in <laughs> verse 18. At oh, least. Okay. Uh, he <laughs> said, but someone will say, well, you have faith and I have works. Mm-hmm. And I think the way you're supposed to understand this is like, well, aren't faith and works just two sides of the same coin? Mm. Isn't like the gift of faith one thing and the gift of serving and hospitality another? And aren't some just naturally gifted at uh. believing really strongly that things will happen in the future and believing that Jesus died and rose and other people are more doubting, but they're really live mm. really godly lives by the way they serve the poor. Aren't we just like, are we just splitting hairs? Are we can't, splitting hairs? Can't we just be like, Oh, you guys have your faith. We got our works. It doesn't matter. Right. And I think at one level, James was like, of course some people have more faith uh-huh. and some people do more, more works. works. Yep. Like, of course that's true. But the point I'm making is that faith, produces a certain quality of relationship with God as well. Here's mm-hmm. what he says. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And so when I think works, I'm thinking serving the poor. But he's going to change my expectation about what a work is. Mm. Verse 19, you believe that God is one, and that's well. Even the demons believe that. They have a faith in that of a kind, and they shudder. They're terrified period exclamation point in my bible <laughs> we're like wait wait wait, what happened here do you want to be should be a foolish person that faith apart from works is useless and then he goes on to his next point okay, so okay 
I want to make sure. We'll stop here. We'll stop here. Okay. What did you hear there to make sure that I'm okay, answering one, your questions? Well, one thing that was really interesting to me was it, it seemed like the his imaginary friend that he was dialoguing with was trying to separate faith and works as two different things. Uh-huh. And he was like, try your best to show me faith apart from works. Mm-hmm. Just try. Mm-hmm. You won't be able to do it. Yep. They are two sides of the same coin. Right. They're combined. We're talking yes, about the yes. same thing. Yes. And you're That's trying right. to separate them into mm-hmm. two things. Yep. That like, oh, yeah, you can have your faith. And I'm going to have my works or like, you know, we're faith alone. It's mm-hmm. like, well, we believe that we're saved by works. Like you can't do this weird separation thing. Mm-hmm. They are one. And he's mm-hmm. like, and then he's like, let me show you what it's like to try to do this. Like, uh, like right. Yeah. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. It feels really confusing. Like, what is he talking about? Right. What work is he? Is he still talking about serving the poor? Which is why I think verse 19 about the demons is so interesting. This seems to be the the point that he's driving at because mm. he moves on to a topic about Abraham next. Okay. And so, again, you believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. What's wrong with the demons' right knowledge about God mm-hmm. and their wrong work of shuddering? Like okay. that, like, so, like, he's, yeah. like, giving us an example of faith and works. Demons' faith that God is one. Demons' shuddering their oh. work oh hold on oh hold on now i'm so confused <laughs> so are you saying that i've never heard that before that the shuddering of the demons is their works that come out of their faith if james's point is faith and works are intrinsically tied together you cannot mm-hmm. separate them ever mm-hmm. i mean and it makes total sense it makes empirical sense mm-hmm. what you believe you do yep we can't operate any other way than that yep like I believe in gravity, so Therefore, I don't I, jump off cliffs. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I don't do that. So what you're saying is, the demons believe God is one. Mm-hmm. That's that's part of like the uh, Shema. That's the Shema the Old, Old Testament from Deuteronomy six. It was the one of the foundational catechisms, like yeah. liturgical responses the people of God were supposed. That's right. To say every so, day. Yeah, like, wait. So like they they have this. They are good Jews. They're good Jews in a sense. In a they're sense. Orthodox. They believe God is one, but because they're shuddering. Maybe what they believe, their faith, the, the substance of their faith, faith is wrong. Yes. Is that what you're getting at? That's exactly what I'm getting oh at. Oh my gosh! In the book of Deuteronomy, this is Deuteronomy uh, six four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Oh, this is what the demons believe. This <laughs> is what all good Jews believe. Uh huh. What's next? Love oh. the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your strength. What is the first work of faith? To love, love God. Mm. Why is the demon's faith incomplete? Because they shudder instead of love. That's exactly right. Oh. So what is true faith? True faith doesn't just produce good works towards those that need it, it pr- which is love your neighbor. Right, yes. It also produces love towards God. Mm. Demons have a deficient faith because they fail to do the primary work of faith, which is to love God who saves humanity by dying on the cross they failed to love him so let's work backwards a little bit look at verse 18 again okay show me your faith apart from your works and so let's just assume that means love for the moment show me your faith apart from your love and i will show you my faith by my love Mm. okay yeah that's really interesting and let's go back one more verse but some will say you have faith and i have love Mm. That just doesn't it make break, sense. It, it makes it a lot more uh, like stark. 
Right. It's like, oh, that just doesn't true faith. What does, must it produce? Love. Love towards neighbor and towards God. What is the royal law of the kingdom of King Jesus? Oh, which you just yeah, said. Love God and love neighbor. Where are we? We're in the kingdom mm. of the smartest king in the universe. And he has decided to rule his kingdom with a set of laws, easily summed up as love God and love neighbor. And the way that you be a good citizen, the way that you trust that this kingdom is the best kingdom, the way that you trust and have faith in King Jesus is acting as if those things are true and lovely and beautiful. Love your neighbor, provide for their needs, have faith that God is one, that he is the smartest one in the universe and love him for it. Changing works to love, which I think you've proven is fair. Yeah. Because like right before this passage, he does the royal law thing, love your neighbor, Mm -hmm. right? And then in the deficient version of the demon's Shema, the thing that's missing is love. Yeah. And so I think that's really fair for you to do. It changes the whole dynamic of this, the sting of this passage and doesn't make it like theologically offensive to <laughs> right faith alone no my reformed sensibilities are on the line yeah <laughs> and makes it more to like oh yeah that's so obviously true which is the, his tone is saying like can i just tell you something really obvious you can't have faith without love yes right like that just and i'm like oh yeah i'm on team jacob i mean james <laughs> yes right and it's like but when you add the word works into it mm-hmm. it's my own fault and probably a lot of people listening, like it's our own fault that we're bringing in the connotations of meritorious salvation earning works. Yeah. That's not on the line at all here. It's in none of the context, but the word works is a tripping up for me. Yeah. To be like, okay, is it faith alone or are you earning your salvation? Those are the categories. Right. And for me, James has always been trying to put those together yes right but that's not really what he's doing it would because be, i'm importing both of those right. categories yeah i mean maybe to put your own problems in verse 18 but some will say you are saved by faith alone and others say i'm saved by love alone oh right I'm like, that doesn't even make sense it doesn't, it doesn't even make sense yeah so i wanted to see i just pulled up what the word works is here in in the greek and i've pulled up a little dictionary and it is interesting first off that the word is ergon mm-hmm. and there's a connotation there that was usually given to benefactors. Okay. The work of a benefactor was providing for the needs of somebody who has less. Right. Example one. Example one. Okay. But then the second one is really interesting too, because the word ergon doesn't mean works here. It means practical proof or a manifestation. Interesting. That show me faith without proof. Show me faith without it being manifested. Right. You can't do that. Right. That's part of the definition of the word. Right. Yeah. So that that, that clears up a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to get behind this loaded word works for me. Mm -hmm. Because when I just hear works, I just automatically think about trying to earn your salvation, which we started spoken gospel to try to fight against that very lie. So I'm like, I'm just so triggered. Yeah. But it's like if works is aiming at something different, which it clearly is. Yeah. And it, it seems to be one of the lexical glosses is is practical proof proof. practical proof Mm -hmm. show me faith without practical proof is what he's getting at here and love yeah is one of the practical manifestations of faith so i think yeah sniffing at something really cool here that's helpful and i mean again practical proof of good works we've been 
given the definition of good works in the royal law of King Jesus. Mm-hmm. Love God, love neighbor. Yep. What are the good works in God's kingdom? Love. Loving God and loving neighbor. That's what's on the line for mm-hmm. James. You can't have faith in the royal King Jesus without living his laws out. Yep. He's not saying, show me faith by earning it. No. He's saying, like, I can't really see in your head or your heart. I don't have x-ray vision, mm-hmm. right? So how am I going to experience what you believe and what you feel and what you think about this world? And if you are really a citizen of the kingdom, it's going to be by the proof. Yeah. It's just like how you live. It's not a meritorious earning. It's an inevitable outworking. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm following. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, okay. Ready for the third I, example. I'm still not over the demons. The demons. And their incomplete <laughs> Shema. <laughs> But sure, let's move on to the third let's, one. Let's move on. Okay, so so far we have two points of contact. Okay. Faith without love towards your neighbor mm-hmm. is not real faith. Uh-huh. Faith without love towards God, oh, not real faith. That's really helpful. Right. Thanks, thanks for that. So like, that's what's I'm on t- the line. I'm going to tuck that one away. Um, not real faith. Verse 21. Now, he's going to give us two examples, uh-huh. uh, Abraham and Rahab, of people who were saved by a faith that was not alone, but was saved by works. Okay. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You Mm. see, a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Whew. So like, but I think we're like, that makes more sense to it me. I d- I'm not importing false categories of what faith is anymore. I'm still I'm, trying not to. And do I'm that. trying not to <laughs> import false categories of what works are. Right. So yeah, true faith is faith that loves our neighbor and has a real love for God. So I'm, I've been primed to hear this mm. the way that James wants me to hear it. But if you don't know the story of Abraham really well, this story won't make a okay. ton. What he's doing is not going to make a whole bunch of sense to you. So, so what is he trying to do with this story then? He's trying to prove his main point mm-hmm. that a mere belief in a set of ideas, mere well-wishing, or mere belief without love is not real faith. Mm. And he says Abraham is a perfect example of this, who didn't merely believe something but we're told he became a friend of God, mm. that he was saved when he worked, mm. not when he simply believed. When he put Isaac on the altar. When he put Isaac on the altar. And so what's funny about that story is he quotes from Genesis 15, which is what he quotes here when he says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. And everyone points to that moment. It's like that's when he was justified. That's when he was made a friend of God. When he believed only, mm. nothing else, no good works. Right. This is what Paul says yep. in Galatians, right? But it's several years, maybe decades, until Isaac is born mm. and Abraham oh. puts him on the altar. Oh, I understand. So you have to ask a question. What was, for decades, was his faith real? Oh. How do we know? I get it. That... Abraham actually believed that he would be the father of many nations. Because of the practical proof that came out whenever he put Isaac on the altar. Right. Was he justified when that happened? No. He was justified when he believed, but that belief wasn't alone. 
Well, it was like it had this content think, of it that had a practical proof. I don't know if James is trying to parse out when the justification happened because okay. he says he was justified when he put him on the altar. And the reason oh, why he says that, it. the reason why he says that <laughs> is because, so in Genesis 15, we're told that he was called righteous, but he believed and it was counted to him as righteous. And like, that's justification, right? James said, no, no, no. That doesn't happen until Genesis 22, decades after. Uh, but why is the question. Uh huh. Genesis 22, when he puts Isaac on the altar, an angel comes down to interrupt him. What does the angel say God says? Now I know mm. that you believe me. Mm. So like God in acting as a person inhabiting history mm-hmm. says it was in that moment that I knew you believed me. Right. It wasn't until it was proven by actions. Yeah. That I knew you believed me, that your faith was real. Mm. And so he's saying that's Abraham is a perfect example. God didn't know he believed him. I mean, didn't know. You, you, right. He's like, he's playing with the anthropomorphisms of God. Yes. Uh, but he's like, God didn't know his faith was real until he was willing to put faith, actions to his faith. Right. Abraham was not justified by a faith that was alone. He was justified by his works. <sighs> by his works, meaning the proving the the acting yeah the, the acting out of, of the belief yes right oh man, why am I having so much trouble with this I think the Protestant Reformation <laughs> was was great yes um, I'm not Catholic for that reason you know right, yeah, like right, right, um, sure. but it, it does it's not without its blind spots yeah and the way in which our works are a necessary part. Mm-hmm. Of the way that we live in King Jesus' kingdom yeah. is something that I've struggled with ever since I've really started to embrace and think deeply about theology proper. Right. And so, like, I'm I struggle with like, well, how does that work out? Like, why am I getting rewarded in heaven for good works I've done if they don't matter? If for <laughs> to save me, like, I have like an insufficient theology of works yeah. of like what they do, how they operate within the mind of god and like i think james is just being more biblical than me okay so i'm thinking two things i'm like one i can intuit this really well Uh right like we have we all have like friends or former co-workers or people went to school with or relatives Uh right that we look at and we're like i know they like say they're a christian but I look at their life, mm-hmm. right, and I know they don't actually believe in Jesus. Yep. Like, and and you're not waiting for them to finally make a confession, because you ask them, you're like, "Do you believe in God? Do you believe that Jesus yeah, is sure. Son? They died. Oh yeah, totally." But you know that's insufficient, and yeah. you're like, "I'm just ready for you to change your life." Yeah. Because I just know you don't really believe it. We call that a nominal Christian. Yeah, and it's not real christian right it's not yeah. a real christian it's a nominal christian like mm-hmm. we we intuit that all the time in these big polls that get taken across america how many christians are there in america and we like try Depends to how you define christian exactly and we try to account for nominality where it's like how many of those are real christians though right and we make these distinctions mm-hmm. not based off of what is the content of your faith like mm-hmm. in terms of what are the things that you have verbally and mentally assented to as true, mm-hmm. but in the have those made a difference in your life? Right. Do you live like you actually belong to a different kingdom right. with a different set of values and a different set of laws? Right. It's just like, I just don't think you're a Christian. Like, right. you know, like how and how you live. So like that makes sense on one hand. Yeah. The thing on the other side that's just nagging at me is I think, like you said, the Protestant Reformation, all that kind of stuff that's in my head is, but how does that not rob 
this moment where you just put your your heart and your your faith, your trust mm-hmm. in Jesus alone, and you're just like, you know what? I know I can't do it. I know I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. I know the only way out of this hole is through what Jesus did for me on the cross, mm-hmm. and my only pathway to life is His death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I'm I've given it to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think like I just have like Calvin's Institutes, you know, ringing in my head about like he just goes through every single possible thing that we could try to add to Mm -hmm. our involvement in that equation. Mm -hmm. And he just like, yeah, nips it in the bud every time. And I mean, I wept the first time I read that in Calvin's Mm -hmm. Institutes because it's just like I have nothing to give to this Mm -hmm. relationship. It's faith alone. And it's really a beautiful doctrine. Mm -hmm. And so that's the other thing I'm just like holding on to. Help me. <laughs> yeah, we don't just give God our trust. Mm-hmm. He gives us his spirit. Mm. And so I think this is probably the other side. James isn't, isn't talking about this. Let's okay. just name. Like, we're, we're going a little left to center. How does my personal experience line up with this? Okay, great. I think we're also given God's spirit to do what? To empower us to do what we weren't able to do 24 hours ago. Mm. To actually do the thing. Right. That we are called to do as citizens of this new kingdom. Right. There's a reason why in that scenario I painted, I called out to Jesus and said, I'm in this hole and the only way out of it is if I trust in you. Right. Why am I in a hole? Because I keep doing stupid things that I need to stop doing and want to stop doing and I don't have the power to stop doing them. Yep. And now I've been given the Holy Spirit to actually stop doing those hole digging things. Yeah. Jesus Christ picks you up out of the hole, which you couldn't do by yourself. Right. And he places you in his kingdom and he says, and here I'm going to write my perfect royal law in your heart, Mm -hmm. loving God and loving neighbor. And if he does that, these things happen because they are now a part of the empowering presence of God who lives inside of you. It doesn't take away from it. It's like, oh, this is the complete picture. What am I saved for? Like I'm saved to experience God Mm -hmm. one-on-one and in a community. Yes. For what purpose? to be a member of his kingdom mm-hmm. that pushes back the darkness of our world, transforming it right. as we love God and love neighbor. Yeah. And that wasn't possible before. Totally. The other thing that I stumbled onto as I was explaining this sinner's prayer moment yeah, or yeah. whatever, like I almost I was like, I could probably just stop myself right now and answer my own question, but I'm gonna let Seth respond <laughs> anyway. As I, as I was saying it, I was like, oh, I see what James is getting at. Because if I'm like, and I just put my faith in Jesus and I give him my whole heart, how do I know that what I've done is real? Mm-hmm. And like people ask that question all the time. Yeah. How do right. I know that what I've done is actually real? Mm-hmm. What's the practical proof of my faith? Is it that I walked an aisle? Is it that I put a hand up? And people always. Is that qu- I had a really intense emotional experience right. with God? And people always go back and question those moments because mm-hmm. they feel fickle and thin. Yeah. And they're like, I just don't think that's enough for me to hang my hat on as the practical proof that I actually put my faith in Jesus. Right. But it's like, how do I know that I've thrown myself fully Mm -hmm. into Jesus's hands? Well, it's all the ways throughout the last 20 years of my life that I've made really stupid decisions in the world's eyes that only make sense. That's right. If I'm a citizen of the kingdom, like saying no to really great jobs because God called me to be a gospel preacher. Right? Like, that's a stupid decision. Yeah. But it made sense because I threw my faith in Jesus alone. Yeah. And I wasn't earning my salvation there when I did that. I did it because I I had to because of my worldview. (laughs) Like, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's verse 22. You see that faith was an active 
along with his works mm-hmm. and faith was completed by his works. Mm. Faith is like this generating principle, uh-huh. this generating energy right. that gives us the capacity to do the things that we're called to do as the uh-huh. citizens of this new kingdom that we're a part of. I plugged in the lamp. Yeah. But the proof that electricity is running is that the light bulb turns on. Right. It's like, so you've got to be plugged in. And a lot of Christians plug in the wall socket, but don't turn the light on. They right. experience the electricity, yeah. and they never turn the bulb on. I think, and to James's point, is like, you're actually not plugged into a, a socket with electricity in it. Yeah. It's like, you can't help once you plug into that socket with electricity. The light's going to come on. Mm-hmm. And so, that's really interesting. The other thing that I, I thought of, too, I think it's uh, I think it's C.S. Lewis talks about making my joy complete. It's when we give uh, what's the word? Our hearts. Expellation or like a shout of joy. Exaltations. Yeah, is whenever we like go woohoo or we yeah. we cheer and yeah. exclaim, that actually completes the joy that we feel in our heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, so it's like faith is the internal reality that Jesus has saved you, mm-hmm. and the work is the woohoo. <laughs> like yeah, that, yeah, that, like, yeah. It's the it's the light bulb turning on, mm-hmm. and they're they're so intrinsically connected that you can't separate right. them. Uh okay. Yeah. I'm mapping on to yeah. this. Okay, what's the So is there another one? So Abraham believed God and was counted him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Mm-hmm. You see, a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, last illustration of true faith, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. Mm-hmm. So unfamiliar with the story of Rahab. Rahab is the first Gentile, the first non-Jewish person in Scripture to become a part of the kingdom of God. Mm. Uh, so I think it's a really intentional choice that he's chosen Rahab. The first Jew was Abraham. The first Gentile was Rahab. Rahab. These All people entered the kingdom of God the same way. Ah, That's what he's saying. Yeah, that's good. One's a man, one's a woman, and then one's a part of the people of like the the ethnic people of Mm -hmm. God and one's not right, but they all entered the true kingdom of God the same way Mm. by their works. Rahab in the story in Joshua believed that God was fighting on Israel's behalf and conquering all the nations around. And we hear her say that she says it. Yeah. She's like, Oh, all of our hearts melted within us. That's right. But how do the, the, the Jewish people there know that she actually did fear God? She, unlike the other people in Jericho who shuddered in fear, mm-hmm. like the demons. Oh, I see what you did there. She responds by committing treason against her kingdom. Yep. And throwing her lot in with the kingdom of Israel mm. and harboring two spies. Right. Nobody knew her faith was real. She, at one point, had, was just like everybody else in Jericho. Mm-hmm. They all believed that God was coming to destroy them. Right? right? Everyone's shaking. Everyone's shuddering. Everybody knows that God is on the move and they're about to be destroyed. But only one person is actually willing to transfer allegiances yeah. to the kingdom of Jesus. Right. She puts her faith into action. Mm. She's justified by that work. Yeah. And not before that work. Right. It makes me think, too, of like all the disciple calls that Jesus made when he goes and calls a disciple mm-hmm. and they realize who he is. Yeah. They don't just go... Cool, the Messiah's here. We totally believe that you're him. Right. Yep. They left their nets mm-hmm. and they followed him. Mm-hmm. Like there's this. Yes. Why? Because they knew who he was. 
Like their worldview changed, mm-hmm. and so they couldn't help but leave the nets. Yeah. Like why? Because of something they believed. It's like if if I walked in to this podcast room, and you had a like a jackhammer and a shovel. Okay. And you were just tearing up the floor and like digging ten feet down into the earth. I would be like, Seth's brain is broken. What happened? And then I'm like, Seth, what are you doing? You will respond with a faith statement. You will say, there's gold underneath the floor. Right. <laughs> like, and you, yeah. <laughs> you, you learned that there was absolutely gold mm-hmm. underneath our podcast floor. Mm-hmm. And so you yeah. start digging. Yeah. Because you learned something and you had faith yep. in it. And you can't help but act right. in a certain way. And why can't you help but act? Hmm. It's because the thing that you're acting upon is preeminently valuable. Right. A really fascinating point is that in a lot of the kingdom parables that Jesus gives, it's about the kingdom of God, and Mm -hmm. it's compared to what? A pearl of great price. Right. Like It's something so costly or so beautiful or so powerful that you can't help but act differently because you want that thing. Don't you want to hope that you've been transferred out of the kingdom of your pit Mm -hmm. and put into a kingdom of the smartest king to ever have ruled. Yeah. And the law of the kingdom is love God and love your neighbor Mm -hmm. without end. Don't you want to act like that kingdom is true? Of course you do. Mm -hmm. So have faith in it. Mm. Not a faith that's alone, a true faith. Right. Man, okay, let me word that differently. And I think it might ring more true to me. I think what you're saying is, don't you want your faith to matter? Mm-hmm. Like, don't you want your faith to actually, like, affect your life? I think that's what so many of us have problems with. It's like, faith is just something I believe and I go mm-hmm. do, but my life is kind of the same. I just wish mm-hmm. that I had some kind of radical, life-transforming faith that made my life different. Yeah. And made me a part of something bigger mm-hmm. and better and more substantive. Yeah. And it's like, you don't want a faith that's alone. Yeah. Because that's really boring. And it's untransformative and worthless. Yeah. It's good news that there's practical proof of that faith mm-hmm. because that's a faith that's alive. I think that's what we all yeah. want is well, a faith that's alive. What's funny is that you're just using these words like extemporaneously talking off the top of your oh. head. But what's verse 26 says, just as the body apart from the spirit oh is gosh. dead. So also faith apart from works is dead. Mm. Like faith without works is like a body without a soul. Right. It's just it's just, dead. It's, dead. it's yeah. not living. It's not the real thing. It's not a real body. Right. It's That's not what faith is. Yeah. I think then a, a lot of what I think a lot of what we are longing for, I think a lot of us have dead faith. Yes. And we hate it. We don't want it. You know? Right. But we don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And he's like, let your faith be so real in your heart and so trusted in in your soul mm-hmm. that it just necessarily bears practical proof in your life. Mm-hmm. And it will be such good news to you because you'll start seeing your faith yeah. out in the world. And here's the easiest practical. Everyone loves the book of James because it's practical. What does it look like to have real faith then? Hmm. Walk towards suffering. Hmm. Count it all joy, my brothers, when right. you count experience trials of various kinds. Abraham's was justified when he was willing to sacrifice his son. Oh. Rahab was justified when she became a traitor to her own people. To bear the burdens of the orphans and the widows and the poor is to actually take on the cost of caring for them, on you to care for them. Mm. Like, 
And what did Jesus do? He carried our sins on the cross. Like mm. to walk towards suffering of other people and you'll have this living faith. Walk to the deadness of other people and you will be brought up the other side. This is the whole thing James is talking about. Like you can't help but experience true resurrection life in God's kingdom mm. when you walk towards in faith true faith towards the people that are dying because what does your faith say that when you walk towards the dying in faith they resurrect yeah right like that's the pattern yeah. of king jesus the wisdom of the okay hold on you're doing something really interesting here you're bringing jesus into this i've never i've never thought about jesus having any of these categories faith and works uh-huh right because right. it's like right Jesus didn't have faith. He's the God we have faith in. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But it's like, okay, but I'm like thinking about his life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Jesus had faith, mm-hmm. right? He believed. That God was one. That God was one, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like, he's like, I never do anything without my father revealing it to me. Like, I only ever do what my father yeah. does. And he had he had, had faith that going to the cross would actually do something. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, if he's the smartest king who ever lived, which he is, mm-hmm. Then he knew, he had faith in who he was, who God the Father was, that he's good, that he saves the world, mm-hmm. and that like he loves everyone. Mm-hmm. But he also knew that he, he was with God in the beginning when they conspired to build the, the universe the way they did. That seeds are going to have to die in order to grow into trees. Mm-hmm. That death is going to precede resurrection life. He knew that to be true. He had that faith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if all Jesus did was believe that in his brain, we wouldn't have the gospel. <laughs> yeah. Jesus didn't save us by faith alone. Oh, I, okay. Right? Yeah. Right. Jesus, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Jesus didn't save us by faith alone. Yeah. He, oh, oh. He went to death yeah. to raise us up. What if God only had warm wishes for us? <laughs> right. That's exactly what? right. Be warm and well fed down there. He becomes a Greek god who yes. just is just. Comp- I hope your sins are forgiven. Yep. Hope your. Oh man. I hope God's love justice you. doesn't rain fire down on you. Love you, bro. <laughs> like that would be really bad news if God just had sentiments for us. Right. And we would say then, wouldn't we say this? We would say that if He said that He loves us and He said that He cares for us, He said He wants us to be saved, but never did anything about it. We would say you don't actually believe that God. It's a dead God. That's not right. a God worth following. Right. But because his work was a part of his faith, his beliefs, yeah. then we get the gospel. He actually came and showed us in flesh and blood that he loves us so much that he would die for us, that he put his faith into action. And just like Isaac was the uh, uh, Abraham putting Isaac on the altar was the moment that Abraham was justified. God putting himself on Mm -hmm. the altar of the cross in the person of Jesus was the moment that we are justified and that his... We become friends of God. We love him. Right, yeah. Oh. At the end of all this, what is true faith? Like, what's a good working definition of true faith? Oh, that's the question I asked at the beginning. (laughs) It comes full circle (laughs) in Spoken Gospel (laughs) Podcast. Um, The way that I said it, and I'm sure you could quibble with it, but like faith is a lifelong, embodied, and emotional response to what God has promised us. Mm, Uh, God has promised us resurrection after death. Mm -hmm. And faith is believing that's true 
and living like it's true with our bodies and our emotions Mm. for our entire life. And where do we see this more clearly than in Jesus? Jesus was promised resurrection from the dead. And so he became a life. He became a body. Mm. He experienced emotions. He spent his life walking towards the dying to raise them up in the end. Mm. Jesus didn't save by faith alone. Right. And that's good news. Yeah, that's good news. Okay, let me let me try. <laughs> let me try. Uh, so I don't know if I can do it. Uh, w- it's good news that we're not saved by faith alone, but also by works. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want a dead faith, mm-hmm. and I don't want a dead God. Yeah. Yeah. I want a living faith and a living God. Mm-hmm. And that only comes about by a faith that is completed by works. Mm-hmm. I think I can get there. You said it. That's good. My goal has been accomplished. I, I, can, good. I can die a happy man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm feeling that. The thing that sealed it for me was thinking about God just saying, warm wishes, kindest regards, hope everything goes well for you down there. And I'm like, if that's what I expect mm-hmm. for like a, a potential believer to do to God, Right. Like, oh yeah, I love you, Lord. Kindest yeah. regards. Can't wait to be with you one day. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts kiss, and prayers. Kiss, hug, hug. And it's like, but you don't actually live like that. Like, that's right. just what you're saying is just not real. Like, I want my love for God to be as real as God's love for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to live in that kingdom. Yeah. I want to come alive in it. Why? Because I think like the more I see my faith play out in the real world through the practical proof of love, mm-hmm. the more I'm gonna see the grain of the universe the more i'm going to experience the truth that death and suffering lead to resurrection and life mm-hmm. and i just want more of that yeah that's cool yeah. what are you thinking as we close out anything else man i think i think i said all my thoughts you got your thoughts out. i think i got my thoughts out that's good um, that's also good news it's also <laughs> great news you can stop listening to me everybody the podcast is over <laughs> seth is done talking well i am pleasantly pleased with this journey so thank you for that um thank you guys too for listening thank you and uh, we will see you all next week thank you for listening to the spoken gospel podcast spoken gospel creates short films devotionals and podcasts like this one everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.